0: This week, solutions to our biggest problems shouldn't be so perplexing. On the other hand, washing our hands wasn't obvious for a couple hundred thousand years, and my children still don't want to do it. And later, the news, seasonal allergy news for everyone, a new Barbie, nonprofit grocery stores, climate hackers, the SEC, the WHO, Google's huge new feature you need to know about now, and Khan Academy revolutionizes education again. But first, I'm Quinn Emmett, and this is Important, Not Important Science for People Who Give a Shit. The newsletter features the most important science news, how to think about it, and most importantly, what the hell we can all do about it. You can hit subscribe right now to get this newsletter and my conversations with the world's smartest people every single week. You can find the email version and links to everything at importantnotimportant.com or write in your show notes. It's May 5th, 2023. Here's your weekly action steps. Floods or not, fire season's probably right around the corner. Get up to the minute air quality reports with a purple air monitor, and they've got a nifty map too. Your community may need to replace toxic lead water service lines. Yay! check out Beyond Plastics' reports on the pros and cons of PVC pipes. Three, sure, the economy and market are completely unpredictable at this point, if not untethered, but there's no better time to put your retirement fund to work fighting climate change. You can do it with Carbon Collective. Speaking of lead pipes, will microplastics and PFAS, or forever chemicals, be our version of lead pipes? Check out PFAS Central's PFAS, A.S. free brands and consumer products. How I wish I could never have to say that again. And now, today's big question. Why is it such a strange thing to be alive and aware of everything in 2023? I actually struggle to find the right word to describe what I feel most days. Surreal didn't work when I dropped it in here. To be honest, strange doesn't actually really work either. It's typically defined as being unusual or surprising in a way that is unsettling or hard to understand. On the one hand, yes, the pace and scope of change is unsettling. But no, it's not really hard to understand why we're not ready for it. So for now, I'll go with perplexing. It's still not perfect, but I'm going to use it because that's what GPT-4 suggested. And AI, or whatever this is, is a big part of this story. Even if it's just another red herring or distraction from what we need to do. Maybe on the other hand, it's just another signal. Get your shit together, humanity. But GPT isn't far off, I don't think. Knowing the solutions, but bearing witness to inaction, like it said, is a big part of the reason why I do this. Probably not for the reasons you think. I sure as shit don't know all the solutions, again, ask my children. But I do my best every day to gather as much information as I can about what works and what's bullshit from the people who actually know what they're talking about and who have actually been doing the work, so I can point you all towards something measurable. Bearing witness to inaction is less about watching a city burn or drown or both, or transmission lines, not get built or buried and wondering, why the hell aren't we doing anything about all this? Inaction is usually the result of some Combination of legacy power structures and banging our heads against the same specific wall over and over. So, to be alive and aware in 2023 is to understand the surface area of a given problem, to identify the roadblocks, to establish a clear outcome, and then to throw the kitchen sink, you guys, at all the obstacles, figuring out how to go through and around and over and under them all at once. As they say, this is the way frustrating as it may be to me at times and to so many readers and listeners and in all my offline conversations. This is the way. Our desired outcomes may seem simple and obvious, but history tells us getting there is not, and otherwise we'd be there already, right? So my work is to not only identify and define an exciting measurable outcome, like no new emissions, but to understand and illustrate the fullest picture of how we get there, which is what stands in our way, and to most transparently determine what we can control and what we can't. On the surface, this seems like it's easier than it's ever been, right? We have more accumulated and real-time knowledge of ourselves and the world around us than ever before, from satellites to wastewater monitoring. We know more than ever before about carbon and methane, floodplains and icebergs and deforestation and wastewater and indoor air, genomes and the purity of supplements or not, air pollution and maternal health. We know more about the brain, but not much. We know about the voting records of elected officials and unelected Supreme Court judges, about uh, mangroves and lentils and loneliness, and so much more. It's a bit much, frankly. You see, having all this knowledge doesn't automatically enable us to act faster or more thoroughly. Often, it's the opposite. Every new bit of data makes us even more painfully aware of some measure for which we're falling further behind. It's frustrating. The measure of the carbon in our atmosphere, of the cancer in our blood with early testing, or viruses in our water. However sexy the dashboard, and I love dashboards. Those things don't necessarily help us understand the myriad entangled causes behind those figures. We have to work to reveal the manifold, carrots, and sticks deeply embedded in our systems, preventing radical change, often on purpose, however beneficial that change would be, however inequitable the suffering, however absolutely stupid it seems, watching those digits go up day after day for not doing what we need to do and just driving those numbers back down. Now, I can't describe to you how often a friend walks into my office or home and innocently asks something like, Hey man, where's the recycling bin? Only to find themselves, 10 minutes later, takeout container still in hand, on the receiving end of one of my standard tirades about greenwashing and forever chemicals and oil majors pivoting to plastics in Cancer Alley. This well-intentioned human just desperately wishing for... A time machine, or The Reckoning, or smoke bomb. Anything to make me stop. Sometimes you don't want the whole backstory, or what we're up against. You just want the recycling bin. You want to believe the recycling bin, and everything it represents is real. But it's not. And in fact, a history of knowing and facing the odds is probably exactly why, experienced smuggler Han Solo said, Never tell me the odds. I get it. Knowing the odds can often make you want to say, fuck it, we'll do it live, or to just take a long walk into the rising, warming ocean. But even knowing the full Monty, and getting more data by the day, having a pretty good understanding of how politics works, and investing works, and medicine works, and how voting works, what's within reach and how far we've come, it's so easy to stare perplexed at where we are today. It's perplexing, for example, to be alive in a moment when we know for sure that air pollution kills 8 million people a year. But instead of being so horrified that we drop everything to reduce that number to zero, we actually continue to subsidize many of the major perpetrators to the tune of trillions of dollars a year. I don't know any of them personally or even speak their language, but I feel like that's not what dolphins would do octopuses. Point is, there's always good news. Some incredible outcome that's just out of reach if we do the work. Because look, unlike carbon emissions, or even relatively fast-acting methane emissions, air pollution basically goes away when you turn off the source. Whether it's cars or factories, wood stoves, gas stoves, whatever. People stop being poisoned right away. Clean water is similar in that respect. This, of course, can make the whole thing even more frustrating. Because turning off the source is complicated as hell. It's a journey, right? The whole thing. We have to get there first. We have to hike all the way to fucking Mordor to be able to destroy the ring. We have to drive thousands of miles in a hot station wagon to get to Wally World. We, me, you, whatever, a simple widow clownfish, have to swim thousands of miles beyond our comfort zone to even have the chance to convince our fish son that we're not assholes, much less to come all the way back home with us. It's easy to say, put somebody on the moon. We have to travel through space all the way to the moon to try and land a woman there, dick around for a bit, take off again, reconnect our orbiter in space, and then finally bring those brave women home through an atmosphere that incinerates ships whenever possible. People have to figure that out. So, yeah, clear, measurable outcome is vital, but the journey is what gets us there. So to zero out something like air pollution, or diabetes, or malaria, or the NFL, we have to evaluate the problem full stack. We have to do this. We have to deal with the massive industries, the companies within them, their shareholders, the products they make, and the people that buy and use them. We have to overcome their immense lobbying efforts. We have to deal with, better yet, replace the politics and politicians who golf with those lobbyists, who lunch with them, and then on Monday vote to subsidize those industries again. The same politicians that are so old and have been in office for so long, trading stocks and being lobbied, that in many cases, they just let the industry literally write the laws that govern them, look it up, because it's more profitable for everyone involved because those elected officials no longer understand what the hell is going on out there. So what else do we have to do? We have to understand existing laws, and we have to try to write better ones from international down to the local level. We have to calculate something like sustainability war. Okay, so in baseball, war, W-A-R, means wins above replacement. Basically, it's how much all-around better a specific player is than an average one they would replace. Sorry, the point is we could consider, as we examine these things, as robustly, comprehensively as we can, the sustainability war of electric vehicles versus combustion ones, of silicone stasher bags versus plastic ones, vaccine mandates versus none, corn versus lentils, meat versus forests. You get the point. For the three of you who are still listening or watching, I've got great news. We have a track record of success in dissecting and confronting big, complicated problems. We've come a hell of a long way you might argue that we've made so much progress by often just picking the low-hanging fruit we simply didn't understand before. For example, clean water, sanitation, or smoking. Of course we're drastically healthier than before we washed our hands or put fluoride in our water. Yes, today even the hint of smoke in a public place is horrendous. Solving low-hanging fruit is a massive level up, so we should do more of that wherever we can. Even more great news, there's a hell of a lot of low-hanging fruit left. But, you know, like washing our hands, just because it's obvious, doesn't mean the journey there is easy. Two reasons. One, that other shit wasn't easy either. You just happen to live in a time when it's available, and so it's obvious. Two, our planet is much more populated, and her system's more extensively trashed, than really at any point in our history. Three, We really have to wrap our heads around how much has changed here. So yeah, three reasons. Much of the work that needs to be done now requires us to come to terms with the understanding that the assumptions and tactics that got us here aren't what's going to carry us forward. The people who got us the progress we enjoy today were decidedly not perfect, but they did the work. We have to commit to compound action, too, We also have to make better different decisions than our predecessors if we want our children to be healthier, if we want to live not only longer but healthier, and to occur drastically reduced costs to everything and everyone across the board. Our ancestors industrialized the world once. Sorry, no, they colonized the world. They industrialized the global north. A lot of people came up, but a lot of ecosystems suffered, and a lot of people were left behind over the next two decades, we get to reindustrialize it all over again. In our favor are the many, many lessons we learned along the way. We've learned, for example, that we are often indirectly the baddies, that we have an inability to embrace and utilize long-term thinking, to extend our most beneficial basic policies to everyone, or to do what is least profitable, or least risky to the base. We can't keep shooting ourselves in the foot here. People are going to try. Inertia, convenience, profits, politics, liberty. These are powerful drugs. Red states that are overwhelmingly benefiting from the new IRA manufacturing boom are trying their hardest to not do that because clean jobs are woke. Changing course in those states isn't impossible. I mean, look at Virginia and Georgia and Michigan over the past 10 years. Hey everyone, it's Quinn, your host and the founder of Important Not Important. I'd like to take a quick minute to tell you about the INI or INI, whatever we're calling it these days, membership and community. It's a gathering place, really, for our most dedicated shit givers. A place to connect and learn from one another and to have access to me outside of the newsletter and this podcast. We started it. Last year, and it's grown to hundreds of shit from all kinds from around the globe. I'm talking about teachers and investors, students, electricians, journalists, artists, scientists and policymakers and, and more. Members get exclusive access to our daily news homepage, which is very cool, and to much more top of mind weekly articles research and tools that you can use and to stay ahead of the game, member-sourced action steps, twice-monthly book and culture recommendations that have nothing to do with the end of the world, virtual events, and of course, the membership Slack channel. Look, so many people come to us asking, what can I do? And we think we do a pretty good job of answering that question and providing context for the answer. But the best answers and the best perspective really come from the community, a wide-ranging community, and we would love for you to be a part of it, to feel supported yourself, and to contribute to discussions and actions alike. And of course, by becoming a member, you're directly supporting our work here and ensuring that we get to keep doing it. So if you'd like to learn more, head to importantnotimportant.com, and if you're already a reader, you can just hit the upgrade button at the top. If you're not, Go ahead and subscribe for free, and you'll see the option to become a member at whatever level works best for you. And as always, you can always find the link to become a member right in your show notes. So thanks for listening, and as always, thanks for giving a shit. Back to the show. But it's going to take many years of concerted local and state-level organizing even get close. Media companies of every size continue to not only take fossil fuel advertising money, but create the ads right in-house with their bare hands, much to the disapproval of nearly everyone under 30. Helping them commit to not doing that requires calling them on it, but also encouraging them to find alternative income streams because it's complicated if you haven't noticed. Journalism is in a very bad way. What else? U.S. maternal health rates are the worst among developed countries, and rates among black mothers are many times worse, we've talked about. And then there's guns, and road accidents, and overdoses, all things we don't actually need to do. Again, I frame these as opportunities. We know all this, and in late April, Derek Thompson, one of my favorite writers, expanded on it in The Atlantic. He said, The U.S. mortality rate is much higher at almost every age than that of Europe, Japan, and Australia. That is... Compared with the citizens of these nations, American infants are less likely to turn 5, American teenagers are less likely to turn 30, and American 30-somethings are less likely to survive to retirement. The big clincher, though, the bigger picture, and as Derek also notes, is our overwhelming prevalence of cardiovascular and metabolic diseases. But it goes deeper. We are unhooked on unhealthy food at cheap prices. We're hooked on growing and eating corn and sugar and then, of course, on statins to keep all that shit in check. But we were also hooked to our couches and trucks and highways. We refused to build more housing and more transmission lines and train tracks and bus lanes. We refused to acknowledge when the market just isn't really self-regulating, and when legacy institutions like the FDA have run their course and become impossibly unwieldy as a single unit. I'm never going to give up on this. If time's a flat circle, man... So are our systems. Self-reinforcing into our kids are suddenly living shorter, unhealthier, less educated lives than we are or did or whatever. All because we forgot about or refused to do the work behind the basic shit. The low-hanging fruit. The stuff that just flat-out works for everyone. We're just doing this. So, right now, we gawk at some potentially transformative societal outcome and then go, like, all the way over there? That one? For example, we know compound interest is amazing, and we know the child tax credit worked in the very brief time it was a thing. We should obviously make it permanent. Great. That's so today's children and their parents, and generations to come, can at least afford the basic necessities to start, but also start building a safety net along the way, compounding whatever's left over time. It's amazing. We know it works. But doing so clearly requires more than a shit-giver as president, a one-person majority of shit-givers in the Senate, and not losing the House. It requires not only voting for biannual House candidates, but recruiting and campaigning for and supporting local and state candidates, some of whom get elected, some of whom serve and then turn into congressional candidates or governors or whatever, some of whom actually get elected, and do the right thing, and maybe it's because they didn't have enough food growing up, but a check helped. Another example. We know states that have taken Medicaid money are healthier. It's free. We know why the other states haven't done it, of course. We know which remaining states we might be able to flip, so even more people get health insurance. And we know the groups doing the work on the ground to get them there. Those are the people I tell you about every week. But we got to stop wasting dollars on these sexy federal races we're never going to win. And seats and states will never flip. There's a theme here. Another example. We know we need to build 4 million new homes. We know that requires blowing up most of our racist zoning bullshit. We also know we need to electrify the 140 million homes we've already got. So we need carpenters and plumbers and contractors and electricians to do all that but we're short hundreds of thousands of each of those because we make college seem cheap. Turns out it's not. So we need national and state-level funding for trade schools and nursing programs where we can pay teachers of all of those more than they'd make as actual electricians or nurses so they can rise up the next group or else they're just going to go be electricians or nurses if we're lucky. We know we need to rebuild the front lines of medicine. Same thing. We know nurses and nurse practitioners are invaluable but we're short a million of those, too. So we need more nursing schools, more and better paid nursing teachers, and a new generation of trusted community health workers. We need trust. We know, for example, as Jesse Jenkins at Princeton put it, that we must grow the share of carbon-free electricity from 40% to 100% as fast as we possibly can, and to do so even as we dramatically expand our electricity supply, which must more than double by 2050, to accommodate all the new EVs and heat pumps, electrify industrial processes, and so forth. He continues, to meet those two twin challenges, we'll have to build as much new clean generation by 2035 as the total electricity produced by all sources today, and then build that same amount again by 2050. But look, building 75,000 miles of new transmission lines to connect it all is currently a permitting nightmare. And we won't reform permitting, in part, Because last time we industrialized everything, we sacrificed a lot of people and a lot of ecosystems, and they are understandably still very pissed off about that. We know we need better, more equitable, more funded public schools. We also know we need millions of new teachers to staff them. Would you like to know why people don't want to be teachers? We need to offer those folks the money and the resources they need to make it a livable job. And by livable, I mean banning guns and subsidizing clean air. We know, big one, we need the Colorado River. It's the freshwater source for tens of millions of people, but it's been decimated by industrial meat, and we won't have the hard conversations about meat or if we can continue living in the West the way we always have. We know that we can't just move on after a big virus hits, any virus. And yet we're hell-bent on moving on from COVID, despite those lost despite the children left without caregivers, everyone who's still suffering, and the enormous societal and economic costs from all of those. This shit isn't new. AI is new, but ethics isn't. Solar power is kind of new. Transmission is not. Electronic textbooks are new. Social studies and history aren't. Wildfires that burn steel and asphalt, because we live everywhere, are new. But indigenous ways of managing those fires are not. Long COVID's new. Again, viruses are are not. You know what else isn't new? Immigration. The thing that built this place and could do it again and solve like 12 crises at once. Here's what I come back to. What would the aliens think? Stick with me. There's a decent chance that sometime in our lifetimes, one of those monster telescopes and some AI discover we're not actually alone out here. Do you really want our first impression to be that we're a bunch of self-defeating ding-dongs? I do not. That's why we're shit givers. We give a shit. We're doing the thing. Doing the thing means the point of all this is we have to open our eyes and explore the full surface area of our stupidest problems, take a deep breath, and remember we've been here before. We've learned from what worked in the past, and we got to toss very far away stuff like kids working in coal mines, and then take measurable action up and down the line until this is no longer perplexing. And now, the news. In climate change news, none of the world's top industries would be profitable if they paid for the natural capital they use, which turns out should cost trillions of dollars a year. Two, recycling, which doesn't really work, also spews microplastics. Great. Three, environmentalists sued California over their stupidly reduced solar incentives. Four, the SEC is taking forever to regulate climate disclosures, so the EU has gone one farther, and people are a little worried. Last, Florida and Louisiana are borrowing millions to pay insurance claims, and you can go deeper in my must-listen conversation with Washington Post reporter Brianna Sachs. In COVID news, it's over. Apparently, per the WHO, with commentary from David Wallace-Wells, apparently the pandemic emergency is over. Also, it was America's fourth leading cause of death in 2022. And because we won't ignore them, There seems to be a new culprit uh, based on research behind long COVID, and they're called monocytes, and I do not understand them. In food and water news, in which the FDA chief dips his toe very gently into the idea of food as medicine. Two, non-profit grocery stores are trying to rehab America's food deserts. Three, inside Big Beef's incredibly effective and frustrating climate messaging machine. Four, in the New York Times, meet the climate hackers of frontline Malawi and five, pollution from farms maybe violates civil rights. So hey, we got that going for us. In health and bio news, seasonal allergies are coming for everyone, whether you have them or not. In Cancer Alley, which is a place we've decided is gonna keep existing, U.S. chemical giants mounted a campaign against grassroots organizers so they can continue to kill people. Three, apparently forever chemicals in food packaging, like takeout containers, can migrate right on into your food, and four, North Carolina passed a 12-week abortion ban. Fuck those guys. Five, super cool, Barbie launched the first doll with Down syndrome. Pretty awesome. In computer news, you should really watch the TED Talk from Sal Khan, who founded Khan Academy, about their new educational chatbot, Khanmigo. I mean, just looks incredible. Also, super important, Google began rolling out passkeys. This is a actually great day for data security, and you should turn it on. Now. And the FTC wants to stop Meta, Facebook, or whatever from releasing any new products until they stop just totally deflating kids' privacy. And Washington State passed a sweeping health data law. That is it for this week. Hit subscribe to get next week's issue straight to your feed. To go deeper, visit ImportantNotImportant.com. That's it. Thank you for being a part of our community, and thanks for giving a shit.